Okay, so every week on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, we do a whole 30 to 40 minute video just for VIPs to talk about what you're interested in to answer the questions that you may have for me about politics. I always say, ask me any question. It can be personal, it can be political, it can be parental, it can be pithy, it can be, it can be anything. And so today, this is a little peek behind the curtain into the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals of what that's like to be a VIP over, uh, over there with us. I am Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. Now, I love paintyourlife.com. Now that we can get out and travel and take vacations again, we want to celebrate some of our favorite times. And the best way to do that is by turning our new memories into art. When I heard about paintyourlife.com, I thought, oh my gosh, I love this. What a great idea. All you do is you send a picture of yourself, maybe you and your spouse, maybe your children, a family picture, a special place, someone you loved who isn't around anymore, a cherished pet, even an action shot of you or your children playing your favorite sport. And a professional artist paints that into a portrait. Like I said, I absolutely love this. It makes the perfect gift for any occasion because it's meaningful, it's personal, and it can be cherished forever. It's also fast. You can receive your portrait in as little as two weeks. At paintyourlife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, then your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word Liz to 64,000. That's L-I-Z to 64,000. Text Liz to 64,000. Payyourlife.com helps you celebrate the, ma- the moments that matter most. A mandatory disclaimer here, message and data rates may apply. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text Liz to 64,000. So as always, over on the Liz Wheeler Show community, I post every week and I say, ask me your questions, whether this is political, whether it's personal, whether it's parental, whether it's just a pithy question. This is going to be our fun interaction where I answer all of your questions to the best of my ability. And I usually say that I don't read the questions beforehand because I want my authentic response, but sometimes I cheat and look at them ahead of time. Just a little glance ahead of time. Um, full disclosure, that's what I did today. I didn't, I didn't just while I'm sitting here at the desk, right, as we're, as we're getting the lights on and getting mic'd up, I did take a quick peek, so don't hate me for that. Um, lots of great questions today, and we are going to start with a non-political question. Conservative says, or conservate, says, um, is Lady Baby on a vegan diet or do babies need more of a traditional meat and potatoes kind? Great question. Lady Baby does not <laughs> like food. It's actually very funny. She she has never liked solid food. It's always been, or it is still a challenge for me to get her to eat a lot of a lot of solid food. My plan is to um, not give her meat, at least at the beginning, to, to have her on a diet of uh, whole foods, plant-based at the beginning. But that's pretty similar to any to any diet at at this stage of the game because she doesn't eat a whole a whole lot. She doesn't eat a big variety of solid foods right now because she doesn't like them. She's still at the at the phase where it gets all over her face and all over her hair and all over the high chair more than it gets into her face. But it's it's uh obviously as a parent you know this. It's really fun to watch her go through this. Greenshoe has the next question. Greenshoe says, how come the Republican Party in California will not endorse Josiah O'Neill? They also not endorse Larry Elder, both two highly qualified individuals. I've been to a few Republican events, and it seems to me, and more like a drink fest than logical thinking and planning a plan forward. Um, I'm not familiar with Josiah O'Neill. 
um, particularly. I, I, I share your concern, however, with the Republican Party of California, especially how they handled Larry Elder. This is actually not just exclusive to the California Republican Party. The Republican uh, National Committee, the RNC, they've written off California. They say, oh, it's, a, it's a, the land of fruits and nuts. It's a hotbed of radical leftism both of which, by the way, are true. And I say this as someone who loves California, despite that. Um, I don't understand when the Republican apparatus just looks at California and says, well, we don't care. Literally just two decades ago, three decades ago, maybe, California was a red state. When a state is a blue state or a red state, it doesn't mean that they're going to be a blue state or a red state forever. Look at the history of our country. Swing states have changed. States that are swing states now were not swing states 10, 15 years ago. States that were swing states 30 years ago are not swing states um, now. This changes based on changing demographics, based on changing technology, based on um, based on a lot of different things, based on changing ideologies in both parties, this and practical policies in both parties. It, it's insane to me that Republicans have written off California, because if you look at the demographic of voters in California, yes, there are a lot of liberal voters concentrated in the cities, in Sacramento, in San Francisco, in Los Angeles. But if you look at rural California, it's largely red. It's, there are a lot of conservative voters in California, and, conser- and, and voters in California, regardless of party, do want some practicality. They don't like the crime. They don't like the high taxes. They don't like the hypocritical politicians in their state capital. So there's an opportunity for Republicans and conservatives to say, actually, we're, we're going to put partisan partisanship aside for a second. We're going to offer you what, what you want, which happens to be, of course, a, a conservative ideology. And this could be done with the support of of Republicans at a federal level. But even, by the way, in 2016, President Trump did not come to California to bolster the Republican candidate for, for governor, which was insane to me at the time. I don't know why they do this, and we should we should pressure the Republican Party to address California more. Okay, Irv Lupi says, Hi, Liz, I've heard about Russia lying and a lot of propaganda about war from both sides. I thought this is no different than our government, CDC, schools, or activists. Is there anybody held to a moral standard? Does anybody act on behalf of mankind? And what is best for the general good? It's so disheartening. Well, this isn't exactly a question, but yes, the Russians pretty much always lie. That's their, that's their standard. That's their modus operandi. Um, there's been a ton of propaganda uh, in the Russia-Ukraine war from both sides, of course. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the information that Ukraine released about the war at the beginning, remember like the ghost of Kiev, all of that, that was entirely propaganda. Now, I understand the role propaganda plays in war, all's fair in love and war, sure, engage in propaganda. That, that's part of how we fight wars these days. So I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Um, I do think it's unfair to conflate the Russian government's propaganda with the propaganda of the CDC. Both are bad, but uh, Vladimir Putin is significantly worse. He is a, a dictator, a tyrant, a killer. Um, he is evil. He is he is murdering people intentionally and doing so on a under a false premise. So yes, I mean, there the moral standard that politicians are held to has always been very, very low, but it is it is sunk below, below low. And we the voters should, you know, should try to hold our politicians accountable. Um, what I what I don't like, and I know this is an edgy thing to say on big tech, what I don't like is I don't like big tech actually censoring Russian propaganda, not because I think Russia or Vladimir Putin are right. I think they're abhorrent. I think they're wrong. Um, I do think, however, that the American people can handle seeing things that are bad and that are false and that are wrong and that they can determine that for themselves. 
And so I don't like to see social media companies actually censor Russian propaganda. I want to see what Vladimir Putin is saying. I want to see what his fake arguments are. I want to get inside his head. And you can do that by seeing what he's saying, even if what he's saying is a lie. So I don't think that we should have censorship of, um, of propaganda, even from the Russians. Okay, conservative Ari says, we're going to get to that in just a second. But first, I like Seoul, the sustainable orthopedic footwear company that seeks to enhance your mobility and improve your foot health by building shoes from the inside out. The reason I like Seoul is because a lot of people have foot-related ailments. Did you know 85% of the population will have one or more foot-related problems in their lifetime? I'm talking plantar fasciitis, which I had in high school as a runner, Morton's neuroma, shin splints, a lot of these ailments, and yes, I know they're very unsexy ailments, but they can be helped with a footbed. What is a footbed, you might ask? Well, Seoul defines their signature footbed as a great place to rest your soul. It's affordable, customizable, and improves people's everyday foot comfort. Millions of customers rave about this product, and two-thirds of Seoul customers have two or more pairs of footbeds. Once you know the comfort, pain relief, performance enhancement, and injury prevention benefits of Seoul footbeds, you will want them in every shoe you own. Seoul has an amazing offer for first-time customers, 50% off if you use my URL, yoursoul.com slash Liz, so you can try Soul for yourself. They're so confident that you're going to love their products that they offer a 90-day money-back guarantee. Very hard to go wrong. This, this offer applies to all their items uh, on the Soul store, be it footbeds or footwear, yoursoul.com slash Liz, your S-O-L-E.com slash Liz. Okay, conservative Ari's question she says, what are your thoughts on plastic surgery culture and social media and how it influences the self-esteem of young women who are being told they need to look like the Kardashian-Jenner girls to be attractive? So I take it a step further back than this is young girls shouldn't actually have access to social media and to the Kardashian and Jenners and, you know, all of this, this very, this very toxic um, misrepresentation of what sexuality and femininity is. Um, little girls should not be on Instagram. They should not be on TikTok. They should, they should not be watching television shows that embrace this. They, they should be taught what truth and beauty is from their mother and their family and from wholesome representations of what um, actual sexy women or attractive women or beautiful women on the inside out are. So the, the premise of this is, yeah, if, if, they're, if they're on social media, they are going to be exposed to this and it is going to damage their, their perception of reality. So you can solve this by don't expose them to it in the first place. Okay, Will Griffo 712 says, Hi, Liz. Hi, Will. Is there anything airline employees can do about the mask mandate on planes? I'm a flight attendant for a major U.S. airline and having to wear a mask, knowing that they are a farce, is killing me. If I don't wear my mask, I will be fired. Literally, I don't enforce the mask policy on passengers, but beyond that, I feel powerless. Um, will, I feel you. Yeah, I can't imagine what this must be like. I would say it sounds like you're doing the right thing already. Don't enforce the mask, the mask mandate on passengers. I can tell you as someone who flies all the time and always brings my baby with me, it's horrible to have to wear a mask. She hates, Lady Baby hates when I wear a mask. She always pulls it down. And there are certain flight attendants who, you know, smile and wave and don't care at all if I, you know, pull it under my chin so I can interact with my child. And there are some flight attendants who are terrible about it. They are disrespectful. They are condescending. They are threatening. They are um, inhumane about it. And so you're doing the right thing, not enforcing it. I, I would say if, if there's a way for a, a town hall type forum where you can express to the leadership at the company how you feel that you don't like this, that it makes it makes your ability to do your job more difficult, um, do it. I mean, corporate boards do respond to to their their employee base and as well as their shareholders. So try try to try to make sure that they understand that there are people in their in the company who disapprove of this. And thank you for not enforcing this on 
on passengers. We all greatly appreciate it. Christian says, I feel you should incorporate guests into your show more frequently. What are your thoughts on this? Um, This is a good suggestion. However, this is a suggestion that I have already answered. If you are a VIP on the Liz Wheeler Show community, which you are because you are commenting, um, you know that our guest interviews happen First, they, you get exclusive early access to guest interviews um, on the Liz Wheeler Show community. And then after, a week or so later, you can, you can get access to those publicly. Those are um, not published on the Apple podcast platform. Those are published first on Locals and then on YouTube. So we do a lot of guest interviews. I've interviewed incredible people from Dave Rubin to Michael Knowles to Yoram Hazoni to um, incredible people. I, I, I talked to Peter McCullough, Dr. Peter McCullough, about COVID. Um, they're fascinating people with fascinating discussions. And we like to, it, it's more fun to sit down and have a longer conversation than to have very short sound bites like you do on cable news. So it's here. It's here right here on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. Okay, Ed says, Ed Green asks, my baby sister was a fifth grade math teacher. She left the profession after being threatened with you were either with us or against us agenda from the entrenched tenured teachers at the school. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Ed. I'm sorry for your sister. We have many friends that have also left the profession for similar reasons. How can we retake education if conservative teachers are unable to participate? Where, do, where does support for teachers who resist the left come from? Do we have enough replacements for the leftist teachers in the pipeline to have a meaningful impact on ending CRT and sexual indoctrination? Thoughts. So a couple things. So we do have to end some of this um, indoctrination, CRT, and queer theory indoctrination at the legislative level to disallow even teachers who would adhere to this ideology themselves from indoctrinating our children with it. So there's legislative things that can be done. Um, I'd have to hear more specifics about your sister's situation to know what she could have done or not. I mean, I'm sure she she did what she could. Um, There are a lot of private schools and charter schools and now new homeschool pods that are looking for teachers who who are committed to academic achievement, who are committed to Um, critical thinking who are committed to education and not just brainwashing kids and radical leftist ideology. So maybe at this point, an an alternative school, a private school or a charter school or uh, a homeschool co-op would would be somewhere that your sister could find where children, um, where where there's a market basically for for conservative teachers. But yeah, I mean, it, it is a problem if teachers are being threatened with losing their jobs if they don't teach the radical leftist ideology. That is a monopoly that the teachers unions have on the public school system. So Maybe your sister can also focus on uh, helping destroy this monopoly of the teachers' unions, getting rid of their hold on public school teachers. Okay, Dutoy asks, is the United States Constitution any longer respected by our representatives? (laughs) You know the answer to that question. You know what I'm going to say. There are a few, a fraction, um, a very small number of our, at least at the federal level, representatives, whether this is in the House or in the Senate, who actually respect the U.S. Constitution. And they are, it's very obvious who they are. Most politicians, I don't think, have ever read the Constitution. If they do, they they only read it through the lens of looking at how it can be twisted or applied selectively to seem like it supports their pre-existing policy agendas, not to um, see what am I allowed to do? What do I have the authority to do? What is my mandate from the Constitution as it applies to my role in the federal government? So no, of course, of course, the Constitution is not respected by our by our representatives. Okay, Paul, whose username is Cracklin, um, asks, will you raise your daughter with Disney? Now, I like ExpressVPN because it keeps me and my family safe from hackers on the internet. But I also like ExpressVPN because with it, 
I get access to a whole lot more content on Netflix. Here's what I mean. Let me explain this with an analogy. Watching Netflix without ExpressVPN is like paying for a gym membership, but only being able to use the treadmill. But if you use ExpressVPN, it helps you unblock content on Netflix like getting access to the whole gym, because ExpressVPN lets you change your online location so you can control where you want Netflix to think you're located. They have almost 100 different server locations, so you can gain access to thousands of new shows. This works not just with Netflix, but with many other streaming services too, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, and more. It's also super easy to use. You just open the app, select your location or the location that you want, tap one button to connect and refresh the page to access the otherwise geo-restricted show that you want to watch. So be smart. Stop paying full price for a streaming service and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash Liz. Don't forget to use my link, expressvpn.com slash Liz, to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Yes, an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free if you use my URL, expressvpn.com slash Liz. Okay, Paul, whose username is Cracklin, says, will you raise your daughter with Disney? And do you and Michael Knowles share parenting tips? Um... So the funny thing about Disney is I was actually not raised with Disney. My my mom was so far ahead on uh, of the curve on the culture war that I remember one time when I was like six, seven, eight, like very, very young elementary school, someone asked me who my favorite Disney princess was. And I was sort of at a loss for words. And let's just say I was not a child that was typically at a loss for words. I didn't know how to answer that because I didn't know the Disney princesses. The only one I knew was Cinderella. And that's because I saw um, a, a, a stage event, a live stage event of Cinderella, not because I watched the Disney version of this. Um, so I was not raised with Disney. My daughter will certainly not be raised with Disney. She probably wouldn't have anyway, even before Disney was revealed to be the groomers that they are. Um, because I've, I've always had a problem with the morality that they teach in Disney movies, this, this, I, I think that they twist the twist morality. They, they, especially with their imagery, images that are often associated with, um, with being wrong or being evil. Even, even in the Bible, they're associated with being wrong and evil. Like dragons, for example, are often painted as good in Disney. And I think that that's very confusing for little children because imagery is very powerful. Um, so especially when she's very small, I'm going to be very careful. I am very careful already about exposing her, what I am exposing her to. Um, she basically watches no TV right now at all. I've shown her the Donut Man. I've shown her like one or two episodes of the Donut Man. And that's probably how it's going to be for a while. As to whether Michael and I share parenting tips, um, I'm trying to think if we've shared parenting tips. We've talked a little bit about um, how babies sleep or don't sleep or how they travel. Uh, we both bring our babies to a lot of a lot of places with us. So we've talked about what how we entertain children on on planes. But as you know, our children have been betrothed since they were in the womb. So we do talk about that. Whenever I see him, he always asks, "How how is my future daughter in law?" Which I mean, it's it's a it's a major dad joke, but I do appreciate them. Okay, Bobby Johnson says, "Ms. Wheeler, you appear to have access to my senator." Full disclosure, he says, "I voted for Senator Cruz both times." However. I've been contemplating a run against him in 2024. The problem is I kind of like the rascal. I don't really want to embarrass him in a public debate. Um, I wonder if there's a way to have a short conversation with him so I can, we can avoid that kind of unpleasantness. There's no question here, Bobby. If you're asking me whether you should run against him, I would say, why? Why would you run against him? Are you unhappy with um, something that he's do- done or something that he hasn't done? And if so, um, I would recommend reaching out to his office in some way, reaching out to him on social media and trying to communicate him with him in that way, especially if what you're looking for is a short conversation. I always advocate that constituents um, speak to and communicate with their uh, elected representatives as much as possible. You'd be surprised, actually, how influential 
what a difference it makes when when a politician gets even a dozen phone calls or a dozen emails about any particular topic that actually changes how they view that topic. It really makes a difference in general. Um, so I always advocate for constituents to get in touch with uh, with their politicians. So if you, if you have a question for Senator Cruz, I would I would try to go through his office. That's what I would do if I were you. Okay. Taba Reos, or Tabar Reos, I should say, that's your username, says, I will cheat and ask two questions. That is allowed. You may have two questions. <laughs> one about politics and one more lighthearted. Pick one or both or none if you so choose. Oh, this is teeing up. This is, you're teeing this up pretty good. Um, politics question. A lot of left-wing woke dogma, critical race theory, queer theory, abortion, open borders, et cetera, is now talked about in a work corporate environment where even whole companies put out statements supporting certain positions. When do you think it's appropriate for the workers of those companies to say they are not on board, whether that be your coworkers or even supervisors? Um, well, first of all, it, it it always depends on the level of necessity to, to keep your job. If if it would be absolutely detrimental to your personal life to lose that job, um, then you do have to be you do have to play it a little safer, right? I mean, that's 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 just the reality of the thing. Um, if if you're worried that speaking up would would cause some kind of retaliation, if you're not worried about any kind of retaliation, then for goodness' sake, speak up. Talk to your coworkers. Certainly about, I think that that would be, that should be okay, no matter what the circumstance, but talk to your coworkers, certainly about ideology. ideology. Um, and if you, if you can, send it up the chain of command, send it up, send it up the corporate ladder. Um, if you don't like the, the policies that your company is embracing, you just have to understand that if you work for a company like that and they, they hold some views and you hold opposite views and you challenge their views and they, you know, they can, they can retaliate. They, they can cause you to lose your job or not, uh, not, obtain a promotion or, I mean, any number of, of retaliatory things. But I mean, I'm kind of a risk taker. I prefer, I prefer to challenge and deal with the repercussions if I possibly can. You have to make that decision for yourself, but um, I support you. And I think, it, I think it does good. I mean, think about Disney specifically. Think about the headlines that it made when Disney employees have said, actually, we disagree with Disney's, with Disney's advocacy against the parental rights and education bill. We disagree with Disney being groomers. Actually, the vast majority of parents at Disney who work at Disney uh, support that bill. That the corporate the corporate executives are are so adamantly coming out in opposition. There, that's a powerful disconnect between corporate executives and their employees, and that can be really important. So you have a powerful role that you can play um, if you are willing to take that risk. Okay, your lighthearted question is: What was your most memorable vacation? family, personal, otherwise, and why? My most memorable vacation, well, are you talking about like a misadventure or like a wonderful vacation? Because um, actually the answer to would be this, the same. So my honeymoon was um, the most memorable vacation that I've, that I've taken for both reasons. Obviously, because it was wonderful because, you know, you're in this, this newlywed glow. You're so excited to be married and it's fun to go to the tropics. But also, I, um, when we landed... When we landed at the airport on our honeymoon, I actually passed out at the airport. I fainted and spiked a really high fever and ended up in the emergency room with an infection. So the first night of our honeymoon, I was sitting with like IVs in my arms in the in in a hospital room, not the honeymoon suite. And I was just like, welcome to um, in sickness and in health to my husband. And he said what is perhaps one of the most or one of the sweetest things that he's ever said to me, because um, I said, sorry that I'm such a burden, you know, you know how it is. And he goes, you are not a burden, you are a blessing. And that is a combination of 
you know, a misadventure, but also one of the sweetest moments to start the marriage. So I would have to say my honeymoon is the most memorable vacation that I have taken. And that is why. Okay, Steve597 says, will there ever be any possibility of a third party fielding a viable candidate in national elections? I hope not, because a third party candidate is always a spoiler and typically a spoiler for a Republican candidate. So I do not advocate for third party candidates at the federal um, level. And Steve asks another question. Can you speak of your level of concern for your for Lady Baby as you and your husband race her in a crazier and crazier world? Um, please juxtapose this with how you both felt about the world prior to knowing you were bringing your daughter into the world. So yeah, it's crazy being a parent, right? It's It's crazy seeing the things that you talked about in the abstract sense, like oh, media is terrible and, you know, children are being indoctrinated. It, it's crazy seeing that go from being a hypothetical abstract thing to being um, being a question that we ask ourselves on a daily basis. How do we protect our child? How do we raise her to be holy, to be godly, to be healthy, to be happy, to be whole um, in this world? And it becomes, it, it changes from a philosophical examination to a very practical examination. And one of, one of the, the, the things that has changed the most for me is just the level of prayer. I realized that I can't do this alone, that, I, that I, I, I pray all the time and ask for wisdom in my parenting, wisdom for my husband and I in our parenting, guidance in how to both um, protect, protect my daughter, but also allow her to live in a world that is corrupted with evil, um, pray for protection of her mind, her body, and her spirit, and understand that I cannot do this alone, that, it, that it, it requires God to also protect her from the evil forces that the demonic or the satanic forces that are also um, engaged in this, in this cultural battle, you know, at every level, whether it's racism, whether it's transgender ideology um, of our culture war. So it, it has changed tangibly my, my views, not, not my principal views, but how I looked at this. It was, it was very concrete, very logical, very, you know, one, two, three, this is why it's wrong. This is what we do. And now as a parent, it's, it's much more emotional. It's much more, it's much more tangible. It's, it's, it's real. It's real. And, um, of course I have concern because everywhere you look, children are being assaulted by the radical left. They are the next, maybe even the final frontier in this, in this Marxist assault on our nation, meaning the final frontier is the last step in, in tearing down the cultural institution of the family. You know, the Marxists came after the family unit. They came after marriage. They came after monogamy. They came after sex. They came after women. They came after men. Now they're coming after children. And to understand the reality of the fact that my child is a pawn, my child is a target of the left, it, you wouldn't believe the mama bear protective instinct that courses through my vein on a daily basis. There is nothing I would not do to protect my child. I hope that answers your question. Um, C. Campbell, 1946 says, how can we wait for the next election? We are losing our country now. Well, we don't have to wait for the next federal election to fight the cultural battles that we are fighting. I mean, think about the Florida bill. This, there's no timing on that. Think about um, think about the critical race theory bills, the, t the parents on school boards across the nation, recall elections. None of this thing, none of these things has to do with the, the 2024 presidential election. Most of the battles in our country should be fought at the local level. And there's no, there's no election related timeline on, on how to do that. So if, if you view the fight for our nation just as who's the president, then it will seem like we're losing our country. But if you fight at the local level first and then let it, then let it trickle upward towards the, um, 
the national level for our, our election for president, um, I think that you will you will feel that there is that the work that we're doing is actually working, that we are accomplishing something and not just sitting around and waiting. Okay, Danimal3366 says, will you enroll your daughter in Catholic school or will you homeschool her? What do you see are, or what do you think are the advantages and disadvantages to both? Um, the answer to this is I don't know yet. I, I, of course, would prefer to homeschool my daughter because I was homeschooled. I had a wonderful experience with homeschooling. I feel that it well-equipped me academically, physically, sociologically, psycho- psychologically, all, all, all of these, these um, aspects that come under the heading of of education, right? The social aspect of it, the academic act, uh, aspect of it. I feel that homeschooling, the way that my mom and my dad homeschooled me, they did a very good job. I feel that I have very well equipped to think for myself um, and to be a contributing member of society, a self-sufficient adult. So I certainly would like to homeschool my child. My 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 problem with Catholic schools is that um, the hierarchy of the church, of the Catholic church here in our country has also been corrupted by um, by Marxism to a certain extent, you know, this idea of equity, this idea of um, diversity, meaning skin color diversity, just for the sake of skin color diversity, which defines someone just as the color of their skin, not their character. Um, the idea of social justice, they've, they've, they misunderstand what, what charity is and giving of oneself versus this, they call it social justice, but it's really redistribution of wealth or government mandated um, spreading, spreading around resources. That's, that's socialism, really. Um, so, the hierarchy of the church and those who control Catholic schools have been somewhat corrupted. Um, so I would lean more towards homeschooling, but it's a conversation my husband and I will have when my daughter is somewhat older. I think, I will tell you, I think my husband is scooching closer and closer towards homeschooling. The more the more we hear about what's happening in schools, the more we see these groomer teachers. You know, he said to me the other day, there is no way we can send our, ch- our daughter to one of these schools. And I was like, you don't have to say that twice to me. I'm already convinced. So, um, I don't know that I see a disadvantage to homeschooling when it comes to when it comes to my particular situation or our our family because not only did I have a great experience I I know how to homeschool because of that um so I know it could be it could it could be non-feasible for some families but I don't see what the disadvantages of it would be for uh for my family. Okay, P. Sharon says, why do Republicans and conservatives always divide themselves when election time comes? Each faction is so rigid on their issue that they can't see the bigger picture in order to defeat the evil of progressive left. We need to unite. Um, this is true. So this is, this is true to a certain extent. Now, what I will say is, is the conservative movement in general is more free thinking than the radical left, right? The radical left de, uh, requires this ideological rigidity, this adherence to um to, to one set of positions. And they, they allow no flexibility on where you can stand on this. If you are, if you are, if you do deviate from the radical leftist positions, then you're demonized. And that, that's obviously not a healthy ideological, um, hold to have over your party. The the conservative movement, the Republican party, there's, there's a variety of different viewpoints that are appropriate under, the umbrella of a limited government philosophy, right? Like conservatism or libertarianism are both appropriate. Um, I would argue against libertarianism and in favor of conservatism, but it's appropriate to be a libertarian under the umbrella of um, conservatism, just like it's appropriate to be an isolationist or um, not quite an interventionist, but but uh, a little bit more of um, a little bit more of an interventionist under the Republican under the Republican umbrella. Now you can argue the wisdom or the lack of wisdom of, of one or the other, or where where foreign policy philosophy philosophy should 
should fall, but both are appropriate under the Republican umbrella. And so there's just, there's more independent thinkers. There's, there's more free thinking in the Republican party and that that's a good thing, but it also begets, of course, people, representatives who hold their views very strongly, um, want to argue in favor of their views. They want their views to be the prevailing view when it comes to, when it comes time to vote on a piece of legislation. And so you, you can't have that entire unity that the Democrats have unless you also hold the standard of ideological rigidity. And conservatives are never going to do that because it's, it's really antithetical to what conservatism is. Um, that being said, I do think Republicans in general need to understand the lesser of two evils philosophy and the, the philosophy that not every time are you going to get 10 out of 10. Sometimes getting seven out of 10 is better than getting three out of 10. And um, I think if conservatives embraced that a little bit more, they wouldn't feel that they are sacrificing their principles in, in situations um, where they're not getting everything they want or exactly what they want. They understand that, well, even a squishy Republican is better than a Marxist, and we'd rather have seven out of 10 than three out of 10. That's okay and appropriate for, in certain circumstances, for a... Um, for Republicans to understand that would maybe create a little bit more unity, which would allow a little bit, um, a little bit stronger bulwark against the radical left. Real Truth Cactus. Hello, Real Truth Cactus. I haven't seen you in a bit. What are your thoughts, she says, on what's going on in China right now with the major lockdowns? Yeah, in Shanghai, these forced lockdowns. Did you see that video of those bags and bags of cats and dogs that were just thrown on the sidewalk? It's, it's totally inhumane. It's horrific. People are not even allowed to leave their entire high-rise apartment buildings um, to get food. If you, if you listen, there are videos on social media that, that it, it shows the cityscape, but if you listen, you can hear people screaming, just thousands and millions of people screaming from their buildings, screaming for food, screaming for medical care, screaming for help. This is authoritarianism. This is communism. This is government control. This is for your own good public health administration policies being imposed on the people. It's awful. It's awful. It's horrific. And it's shocking, by the way, that the mainstream media and the left aren't talking more about this, because this is actually the logical end, the slippery slope, if you will, of, you know, the dictates and the lockdowns and the policies that were imposed on us here, whether it's closing down our churches or forcing us to stay home, closing down our parks, shutting down our businesses, you know, mask mandates and vaccine passports. That's a logical conclusion of even this. So yeah, we should speak out against what's happening in China, but we should understand that we're not that far away from that and we should make darn sure that our politicians don't have the power to impose that on us should they want to. Because where politicians have the power to abuse, they will. It's just a matter of when. All right, the Tin Mom says, until I was adult, I didn't realize the executive orders or that executive orders existed. Could you explain how in the United States one man can sign his name to a piece of paper and create law without having to go through Congress? So that's not exactly what an executive order is or what it's supposed to be. Um, what an executive order is, is it's the reorganization of the executive branch of government. So the president, the chief executive has the power to um, determine how the executive branch runs and to reorganize that branch as he, see, he sees fit. And that is what an executive order is. Executive orders that overstep the bounds and become dictates are um, executive orders in which the chief executive is, well, trying to create policy or create law um, by bypassing the legislature. So it's not legal to create a law with an executive order. It is legal to reorganize executive power 
um, in the executive agencies under the executive branch of government. And of course, that changes how laws are applied or how policies um, how policies are applied in the United States. So two very different things that are sometimes abused by the chief executive. Oh, Jimmy asks, Liz, can you please tell me how these sick perverts have a club and get away with it? You mentioned it on yesterday's posting that uh, that men lived, loved the younger boy sick perv. So you're talking about the um, National Man-Boy Love Association um, or the National Association of Man-Boy Love, whatever they call themselves. These, This is a group of pedophiles who advocate for, basically for pedophilia to be legal. It is sick. It's incredibly sick. And we shouldn't normalize this in the slightest. We should condemn this in the strongest terms. Free speech allows them to advocate for pedophilia, but um, we should ensure that law does not allow them to carry that out. That's what I will say. Okay, Jim with the final question here says, I feel sorry for the Ukrainian citizens, but how corrupt is the Ukrainian government? Very interesting question, Nitro Jim, because you have um, you have hit on something very important that both things can be true at once. I too feel sorry for the Ukrainian citizens. They are engaged in a war that they did not ask for, they did not provoke, they are being, they are being killed, their families are being um, displaced. It's truly horrific and awful and heartbreaking to see what's happening to the Ukrainian people. That being said, the Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt. We're talking Zelensky on down, incredibly corrupt. Why do you think Joe Biden and Hunter Biden um, did business with the Ukrainian government because they are known to be so corrupt? Both things can be true at the same time. And in this case, both things are true at the same time. It's why I cautioned everyone when they were embracing Zelensky, lifting him up on this pedestal at the beginning of the war. I said, Ooh, be real careful with this guy, real careful. Do not conflate the bravery of the Ukrainian people pushing back against Russian aggression. And yes, the leadership of Zelensky, he did good, a good job with that. Do not conflate that with idolizing the politician or the man because the Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt. They are not a functioning democracy whatsoever. Um, on that note, thank you for all your questions, the personal, the political, the parental, and the pithy. If you'd like, we do this on a weekly basis, this, this 30 to 40 minute video for VIPs talking about what you're interested in answering your questions. Join us on the Liz Wheeler Show community. If you use my promo code ACCESS, you can get one month free on your annual subscription at lizwheelershow.com slash locals or promo code access lizwheelershow.com slash locals. We do this every week and we would love for you to join us. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler and senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.